This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Welcome to another episode of This is Joy and Claire. This week on the podcast, we have Justin LaFranco back on this show. You may remember him if you're an old school Girls Gone Wad listener that we had Justin on the show, uh, episode 271. I don't know if you recall, we were at Camp Time Out, which was such a fun trip. But we talked to Justin LaFranco again, because you may remember last week, we were like, hey, we haven't talked about CrossFit in so long. The CrossFit games are coming up. Are we going to go to the games? What is going on? And uh, as luck would have it, Justin was available. We brought him on the show. We talked all things CrossFit, and I feel pretty up to speed now. So if you are out of the CrossFit world like myself, I feel like you're going to get a lot out of this episode, so you're not going to be too out of it when the CrossFit games come around. Because let's face it, the CrossFit games are our favorite time of year. It's so fun to watch, even if you're not at the games, but if you are at the games, it's even more fun. So we're really excited for you to hear this. Uh, just a quick note that if you don't have anything to do with CrossFit, I think you'll still get a lot of a lot out of this episode. We have some really good discussion. But also, we talk a lot about things that are just in the CrossFit world, and we don't stop to really explain. So just a heads up that if you feel lost, uh, it's because we've been, you know, in the CrossFit community for the past 10, 15 years. Um, but I love Justin's take on everything. He's got such a a well-rounded view. Uh, the Morning Chalk Up is his baby. He founded this amazing news company, and they put out a newsletter and daily posts on the Morning Chalk Up on Instagram, as well as their website, morningchalkup.com. So you can hear all about his business there and how you can subscribe. Uh, as always, we just really appreciate your support. Please subscribe to our podcast, share with a friend, and uh, tag us on your post so we can repost any shout outs that you do. Thank you so much for supporting us over the years. And uh, here's our episode with Justin LaFranco from The Morning Chalk Up. Hi, Justin. Oh, hello. Hi. <laughs> you look so view. burly and rugged. <laughs> <laughs> Should let you write my dating profile. <laughs> burly, rugged guy. Wears expensive jackets. And also hasn't aged a day since I last saw you. When you stay in the cold all day long, you can't get wrinkly skin. Is that true? Is that true? It's all, it's all very tight. It's frozen. It's just the wind burn keeps you young. It's like exfoliation. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, yeah, it is kind of like that because like uh, snow and ice uh, just slapping you in the face. Yeah. And, uh, Women pay thousands of dollars a year for that treatment. Yeah. What are we all doing? All over the world. What are we doing? And here you are paying know. thousands of dollars to go and do it in the wild. How was are it? You, um, How was Denali? I mean, I've read your extensive recaps online, of course, but. Yeah. I mean, I always get this question. And I answer it different every time. I think because something so challenging physically, so long. Yeah, uh, 21 days of climbing 30, almost 30 full days when it's full travel experience that it takes a while to really digest it and say, well, like, mm -hmm. how do I really feel about that whole experience? Obviously, I feel great and happy that we were successful in our climb and everyone did it safe. But like it changes, you know, I was talking to the climber that the, the, some of the guys from the team today and I was like, is everything kind of like a little dull, like on a regular basis? Because we're not, you know, 
looking out into this yeah, massive like you're just being Arctic a normal human now. And I'm like, is there, is, I feel like I've had and I'm going through a little bit of like a like an adrenaline crash. Uh huh. Not because we're like jumping out of airplanes every day. It's no, not I like that, it. but it is like this epic, all encompassing, very significant journey. You don't have any real touch with the outside world except on it's like culture GPSs. shock. Yeah. Texting totally culture shock. my sister these updates. I didn't have Facebook. It wasn't like I was really the one posting. It was she was posting it via my text. And that was the only access to the outside world I really had. And I don't know. I feel like uh, I'm having a little bit of an adrenaline crash. So, uh, you know. So, do you know what Knowles is? Have you heard of Knowles? Like it's, I, similar to, it's like similar to Our Bound. Knowles. Like uh, Knowles, National Outdoor Leadership School. Na- right? uh, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I feel like I was like, you're yeah. like, God, that yes. sounds so familiar. So, I did a Knowles course in college and the couple of days, like, and it was like 30 days in the Yukon, you know, kind of like very, very remote, not as like um, technical as what you experienced, but a very similarly like remote experience. And a couple of days before we were done, our instructors started telling us about the post-adventure blues. And then it's like truly a like mental health phenomenon where it's almost like a re-entry sort of experience. And you go through this like mental health transition that is like very well documented. Yeah. I I never had, I most of my clients, the longest one I done five days just still it was like 45 miles total mount olympus up in up in the peninsula in washington and that was the longest climb i've ever done usually it was like two or three days or i might climb for a whole week but it's like one mountain's two or three days and then another mountain you take a break for a day and then another mountain's two or three days so it's not the same as like 21 days of being gone and totally remote and sleeping in a tent every day and have a singular mindset about this one mission and you, you you really gel together as a group it's five of us and sometimes you yell at each other too um so but it's all of that right he's working as a team to accomplish this goal and you're you're have a singular focus like that kind of experiencing it kind of understand you know i have the crossfit games coming up soon so my adrenaline will pike uh spike <laughs> right again. right so <laughs> like you know it's like uh you know work on steroids as you guys know and so i'll balance it out eventually <laughs> Well, let's just dive right into the CrossFit Games chat. Let's do your it. favorite topic, I'm sure. Uh, well, it hopefully is your favorite topic because it's your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So last last week we were talking on the podcast and we were like, man, we really should start getting our poop in a group for the CrossFit Games. We got to go. Um, it's, you know, we always question whether or not we should go and then we always go and love it. And so we were like, but we are so disconnected at this point from like the CrossFit competition circuit and cycle. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way of like, okay, so we had our last like normal year really was like kind of the 2019 season, but then even like towards the end of 2019, things started to change. We had the open, the 2020 open was in the fall of 2019. Then we had like the whole qualifying process got completely blown up. Then it got completely blown up again this year. And people are like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be watching, where I'm supposed to be watching it, what the time frame is. I'm just going to like tune in to Instagram occasionally and yeah. see if like Rich Froning is still a thing. So, <laughs> so that's where we're at. And I watched a little bit of the semifinals last week, uh, this past weekend, but we wanted to invite you on and ask you to sh- impart your deep CrossFit Games knowledge with us. <laughs> and oh, yeah. and also, I think we want to process, or at least I do, so much that has happened with CrossFit over the past year and a half, two years. 
and how that plays into it. So it could get a little controversial, <laughs> but, but it's important. And I think that's the reason why a lot of us stepped yeah. away from it. And also the pandemic happened. So it was kind of this natural distance for a lot of people. And then yeah. people started not affiliating their gyms and then the pandemic right. was on top of that. So it was there, there was this layered effect of, CrossFit changing. And then we have a new CEO and so on and so forth. So I think that there's a yes. lot that we could talk about, but anywhere you want to go, you, you, you ask the first question. Oh, Lord so, Almighty. okay. Let's start with the, let's start with the basics. basics. Let's start with the basics. So uh, walk us through where we are at right now in the CrossFit games season. All right. So if this were the CrossFit equivalent of the state of the union, this is what you probably need to know. And granted, I've been on a mountain for 21 days without access to the internet, but I've come back and I feel like I have at least a cursory knowledge of, uh, of what's going on. So here's the lay of the land, right? So CrossFit uh, as a sport side, re restructured its sport to being a four-stage competition, starting with the Open, which has gone from five weeks down to three weeks followed closely by a secondary online competition called quarterfinals where athletes are submitted uh have to compete in i believe well i think it was this year six tests online the top athletes from those areas competing in the quarterfinals uh, will move on to semifinals now each semifinal area region is separated by continent effectively so we have the north american content we have asia we have africa europe oceania south america okay and so if you're one of the top athletes coming out of quarterfinals in one of those continents you go on to what's called semifinal stage which is what we just wrapped up you know semifinals is a, a a host of different competitions that are ran by outside organizations like loud and live that operates the water Palooza event just by way of example and they uh athletes go through these three-day competitions sort of very similar to what happened during regionals six or seven events top five athletes move on to the crossfit games and then we have the crossfit games which to our knowledge and i, I do believe this is true does not involve any cuts or or sort of uh like thing like cut that. yeah like they did in what was that 2019 when they Nin did that for the first time well technically in 2020 when they called the herd down oh. from uh, uh 30 athletes at the stage one um, down to five athletes that compete in Roma, so they had a cut as well. Okay. But I don't believe that's going to be the case, though. CrossFit hasn't really said anything about it, but okay. it doesn't, we're people not were so mad about that. <laughs> they were a little less than pleased. Yeah, yeah I so would say so. They've kind of combined the decentralized management of sanctionals with the centralized scheduling of regionals to where they had like a yeah. handful of sec of semifinals weekends where you kind of like had three or four competitions happening around the world at the same time. Yes. But none of the events were actually run by CrossFit. Correct. Yeah. They're, they, well, the, the, the people running the events are the same people that were running events during the sanctional season. Yeah. They obviously don't have as many because they had scheduled for 2019 season, 2019 slash 2020 season. They had scheduled 27 events globally. And they were going to be like every single weekend for like five months. And I'm like, oh, kill me now. Like, yeah, I think we're, we're probably all glad. Maybe that's why no one's paying attention because they were like, all I knew was that in 2020, I wasn't going to be able to keep up and I was just going to have to like circle back at the CrossFit Games and figure out who was there. Well, yeah. And, I mean, that system's over and done with. And we're very unlikely ever going to go back to it, to be frank. Um, 
there were some good merit. There were some merits for that system. It's just time being not one of them, which is every single weekend. It's great. There's a CrossFit competition, but every single weekend there's a CrossFit competition for like five months. The season was monstrously large and way larger than our infrastructure could support at the stage. I mean, you went from being like cool backyard barbecue sport to like the NBA overnight. As far as expectations are, there's not even enough photographers to photograph all these events, let alone media companies to cover them. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so. Anyway. So, okay. So are the semifinals done? Was this yes. the last weekend? Well, uh, they have the last chance qualifier, which is another online qualifier where they take a couple of these at, they, they take the top, depends on which competition, let's say the top, uh, the, the ones who didn't qualify six, seventh and eighth right? Let's just six, seventh, and eighth for the most part are the ones that are going to be competing in an online competition for the top and the top two will get a last year's qualifier or get a, get an invite to the games. And I think that's happening like next weekend or next week or something. I haven't, I don't remember, but it's only two spots left up for grabs and they all get pulled into an online competition for an opportunity to qualify. So that's, will be effectively the end of the semifinal round or the third stage of competition before the games. And then they'll have about two weeks to prepare for the games. So is the same amount of people going to the games as there were yeah, in years prior? 40, 40 men, 40 women, 40 only men. 38 okay. teams. But, okay. So know. talk to us about the people. So give us the rundown on who you think at this stage would be your guests for top five women, top five men and podium teams. Oh, wow. Ah, you know, I used to be like, like who are you watching? Maybe. But, yeah, who are, who are you but, watching? Okay, let me think here. I just got back kind of reintegrated into the CrossFit Society. So I, uh, because I was climbing, I missed the first three weeks of semifinals. So I don't even remember who all has qualified yet. But I want to talk mostly about, I, I still think Tia's going to win. Like she's, she's just breaking face. Wait, um, you don't so, think? I do. Oh, oh you do. do. Okay, you do. Okay. So it's kind of an up for grabs. I mean, like, you know, Holta again, such a strong competitor, always has always has an opportunity for the podium at the games. Catherine Davis' daughter, always an opportunity at the podium at the games. The one this weekend, Bethany Shadburn looked amazing this weekend. Uh, uh, I think she deserves a conversation that, that's putting her up there. Um, towards the upper echelons, you know, she was, she was an eighth place in 2019. So, um, already a top 10 athlete, uh, men's side, Velner Cole Sager looks about as good as I think he's ever looked on the competition floor. And I got to see him firsthand this weekend. I was really impressed with him. Um, Velner won the Atlas games this weekend. Always, always been a, a big fan for his potential. Uh, to to win, and he's a multi year podium athlete. You know, he struggled the last couple of years to um, to get up there, but um, he's a guy that I would be absolutely looking at. BKG Bjorgman Carl Goodenson, for those who don't know, is uh, we just that's a mouthful. So BKG is a little easier to get out. He's another guy that I'd be absolutely paying really close attention to for for a podium spot. Top five multi year top five athlete finisher. Podium, former podium athlete. I'm looking at that guy as a potential winner and replacement of Frazier. And I think for the first time in a long time, there isn't an immediate answer for who's going to win the CrossFit games on the men's side. Even when Froning retired and we, we we were still like, oh, it's Ben Smith, it's his year. You know, Ben is Ben is the guy and he won it that year. And yeah, I think Frazier was a co- part of the topic of conversation too, but Ben had already been at the games like six times, you know? Right. We're like, oh, Ben's been chomping at the bit. He's right there. He's going to be the guy who replaces him. Turns out he was the guy to replace him. That one wasn't a huge shock. And then Frazier got second again that year. And then Frazier went on and did what Frazier did. And now it's been after the third year, you're like, if Frazier competes, Frazier's just going to win. I mean, the guy just shows up and just domin- absolutely dominates. And so this is the first year where I'm like, I don't really know. I really don't know. Noah's another guy that we've always said, hey, this guy's got clear podium potential. He's fifth place, at- fifth, fifth place athlete last year, second pace of the year before in 2019, his first time on the podium. You're like, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm at you. 
absolutely. It's kind of but exciting though. It's exciting to not have that prediction already exciting. in the books. Cause we're like, oh, I'm at Frazier. <laughs> and that's something like, we not- said, you know, you're like, oh, you know, it's always so obvious. You like get to after day one and the guy's like 50 points ahead. You're like, who? Well, yeah, wasn't there, I think it was 2019 where it was like, he didn't even have to compete in the last event and he still would have won. Like he was that far ahead. I hope it was 2019. Cause that was the year at the cuts and that was a bit of a weird score. It was 2018 year. then where it was like but 2018. I'm pretty sure it was like, he didn't have to compete in the last event or maybe even last, or he could have taken last in like all of right. the last day. <laughs> and he still would have like, won. And like, while I'm not by any means, you know, questioning his athletic prowess, it doesn't make it very interesting as a spectator. No, it doesn't. Like, it's like watching yeah. the Super Bowl when you're like, they're already, you know, like right, in the first like, oh, quarter. Like, yeah. He is going, yeah. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, it's one of those things. And that was, that was what was too bad. You know, Rich kept it interesting to a certain extent, you know, like that 2014 year where he was not in first place coming into the final day. And then he went and swept three straight events. And he had mm-hmm. to show up and compete and actually win. And that's good sports. And so, you know, I'm not sure if it's just because Matt was so much dominant, more dominant. Maybe he's the most dominant athlete to ever compete in CrossFit ever, you know, and that's just going to be the case. Or maybe it's just that, you know, this, we got to look at the structure to make it more interesting or, or find other opportunities. You know, back in the day, people really used to sell out in one workout. They're like, this is my jam and I'm going to go and just put everything into that workout. And it made it really exciting because it pushed the pace for other athletes that were out there. I remember asking Rich about his um, 21-15-9 workout from the 2014 games. And I was like, well, you know, I saw you, I was rewatching this video. I looked at it. I'm like, you look like you were gassed when you were doing it. He won that event, but he looked like he was gassed. And he was in the second heat, not the first, not the final heat. He was in the second heat at this stage of the competition. He was not doing well. And he's like, I wanted to put up a time that was so fast that I would make everybody else hurt to beat me. And when you guys have interviewed games athletes or you've listened to interviews before, how many games athletes today say, I wanted to make everybody else hurt to beat me? They're like, no, I'm just staying in my lane. I'm just doing my game plan. Yeah, they're like, I'm focused on what I need to do. Yes, exactly. And I was like, yeah, we need more of that. I'm like, we got to figure out a way to get people back into that mentality. They're like, I know that Noah really wanted to win that workout, but I wanted him to have suffer to be in that workout. I'm like, that makes good competition. That makes good of it. That makes good spectatorship, right? We got to figure out a way to get that back. And my solution was, I said, well, you should just make a $10,000 for every event somebody wins. That's a good point. Right. That's and a then good everyone's going to go uh, and be like, I want you to be, I want you to feel pain. Like, yeah. Everyone else yeah, feel pain. Like, I want them to feel pain and I want 10 grand. You're like, okay, well that, that would probably work. So um, this is the first time we don't really know. And I don't think it's going to be clear on day one or day two. And I think that makes for good support. So I'm really excited about that. I still think Tia's kind of just going to dominate again. I, I don't want to, I, I don't like to, you know, it's not really about talking bad about the other athletes. She's just still so far ahead. Yeah. She's just amazing. So she's I in a completely different gonna level. Kind of be, I think I by will the say, end of day two, we're going to go. You know, I know that, um, especially within the um, semifinal commentators, the teen athletes were a big topic that we're seeing these teenagers who have just aged into like the adult competition, but who have been a lot of them competing at the CrossFit games already in the teen division for years. Some of them have been already doing CrossFit for seven, eight, nine years. And this is like the Mm -hmm. depth of experience that we have yet to see from anyone in the sport because it didn't exist pretty scary um i think this is the first time that i think this is the first time that except early early i mean like 2007 or 8 or 9 when a 17 year old 
qualified for the games. Well, well, 2007, you just signed up. Um, right. You uh, just walk into Dave Castro's you, backyard. <laughs> yeah. You just walked in, you just showed up and paid the fee and, and threw down that weekend. So other than there's an athlete, I don't remember her name, but it was a female, I believe who was 17. And it was like the youngest athlete to ever compete at the games, except during the national champion phase when you, you, you know, there was a foreign country where an athlete was also the top qualifier too. So but this is the first time through a new fully vetted live competition qualification uh, system where we've had multiple teenage female team division females, 17 year old females qualified for the CrossFit Games that have gone through the same system as the individuals. They didn't get any national champion competition invitation. They didn't like back in the day when Haley was 16, she was competing at regionals, but she wasn't getting the top five spot. We just, we just had two athletes that are 17 that beat out their, their peers in the adult division. Mike Regals, this is the first time we've ever had that. And they are really fit. So like, fit. Terrifyingly fit. fit. Yeah. They're Especially the guys it's not just their capacity, like, it's their numbers. Yeah. Oh, and I feel God. like you see these, these like 17, 18 year old men, you know, men, boys, guys, dudes who are so <laughs> like you can just see the like human growth hormone just radiating out of their pores. Like you can watch their muscles rebuild as they use them. And you're like, you, I like twisted my knee like two months ago. And I still have to be careful when I walk down the stairs. <laughs> like yeah. This is not their reality yet. No, no. Not even not. close. It's wonderful. I'm actually more, more impressed with the women to be, to be honest. Um, they, the, the numbers that these women are throwing up are putting them in the upper echelon of lifters in the individual divisions, you know, like, like Mal O'Brien's clean jerk, I think is like 245. That's like, that's like, you know, I mean, Tia Toomey won the Rogue Invitational with the 270 clean and jerk. She's an Olympic weightlifter from the Olympics. Yeah. Like I literally competed at the Olympics in weightlifting. Literally competed yeah. at the Olympics for weightlifting and she's been training in weightlifting for a decade. Oh, so, okay. That's, that's, that's great. 245 is pretty good. By comparison, I think, I think Amanda Barnhart, I think got 265. Also somebody who's known for their strength, who's also a larger sized athlete uh, than, than Al O'Brien, who's like five foot three and like 130 pounds, 20 pounds or something like that's, you know, it's, right. it's, it's nuts. She, I don't think she has a double body weight clean jerk, but if she does, it's an extremely difficult thing to do in weightlifting is having a, for the female athletes with double body weight clean and jerks compete in at nationals and perhaps even for the national championship. You know, Lisa Ritchie was a former CrossFit game for CrossFit regionals athlete. You know, was only the seventh woman in American history to ever have a double body weight clean jerk. Just saying, like, and I'm looking at these numbers going, like, that's nuts. Like, I, I, you know, both her and Emma Carey, Emma Lawson, who didn't qualify but competed at in the Asia Asia Invitation, or not the Asia, excuse me, the, the Atlas Games over the weekend. Uh, she's a Canadian. She's only 16. She got, I think, eight. I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's impressive. Don't, totally you know, don't lift near me. Like Go to another gym. I'm like, right. I'm like, you are, you're, you're. I've got to step my game up. I'm 34 years old and I'm like, shoot, you guys are. Yeah. I'm like, did I miss my window to be fit? Maybe. Uh, If you would, if you didn't know, then you should know now. Oh, the glory days, the glory days of like, you know, when you first started CrossFit and you actually thought you had a chance of going to the games, like just in the back of your mind, just thinking like maybe because it was so small. I can make it to regionals. Just maybe. I mean, regionals, the first regionals I went to was at some Coliseum 
in Castle Rock and I walked in and you just like sit down on a bleacher and the bleachers weren't even full. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Anyway, what do you think about programming? What's going on with Mr. Castro and uh, what do you think is going to be focused on for programming this year? For the games or for a whole season in general? For the games, yeah. I'm really curious what he does. I liked I liked a lot of events from 2020. I My one knock on the events, though, I, I, well, by recollection, I probably had a more, more accurate opinion when I was right there looking at them during the games. But my one knock was... I was really, I wanted there to be more creativity and not because you need to be creative to create great events, but they had so many opportunities with only five athletes to really do things that were completely different and perhaps not even possible sure. in other games, right? So I was like, look, you know, man, I remember 14, 15, 16, definitely 14. It was like throwing athletes for a meat grinder sometimes. And there was some criticisms that it was too hard back then, but nobody said it in the last several years that the game has been too hard. You're like, and, and, and here's the thing. It doesn't just have to get harder to be harder and we have to beat people down more. Right. Not to it's like that, actually kill people. Like the no, year Andy but, Thor starter like almost died doing Murph. And well, and that was, that was, that was 14. And you're like, you're like, well, part of the game's point is to find the tip of the spear. Not everybody's supposed to succeed at the test, but when you have right. athletes get, getting two minutes under the time cap and everybody gets two minutes under the time cap, you're like on a workout that only cost, takes seven minutes. You're like, right. well, that was obviously either not heavy enough or, or you gave them way too much time. So when, when, you know, it's like no one's, I mean, not just want athletes just decimated, but at the same time, like I want to see the women's top end barbell, everybody fail, but one athlete. Right. That, I, right. That, that's, that's, that's fun. interesting and exciting to watch. Push, push them beyond, you know, no one's ever done a workout with a 275 pound clean in the program, in the workout for a, for women. I don't know that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. You're like, okay, well, let's see how far they can go. Let's really test that capability. You know, and that's where I'm creatively, I'm like, it doesn't just have to be heavier, but what other creative elements can we incorporate there? You could have done things for the first time. You know, I, I, I think somebody was interviewing me about this too back then. And I said, well, look, I know this is kind of silly, but like, what if you had to get, make somebody tread water with a kettlebell? Like, I know it's kind of dumb, but it's like, Underwater how long jerk. can they last? Justin, like, this is the year for the limbo. Claire wanted to say it every she damn year. To say it. I have to, to I have to bring it up at least once per year. Well, it, flexibility is a part of a part of mobility is part of oh, the, there's the, it. I, I have given deep thought to this coordination, accuracy, flexibility. It's measurable, it's repeatable. It has so many uh, like and there's music. The day that, there's music. <laughs> you look ridiculous. There's so many things about the limbo that make it a truly just ideal competition. That's so it's great. How low can you go? Take it. How, How low can you? Exactly. So do you oh, just, Dave Castor, you can feel free to take that idea well, and run with it. I've been saying it for years. That's the kind of idea where you're like, it doesn't make sense to do with 40 athletes, but if you only have five, well, because some, some workouts would take too long to cycle through. And so, you know, you couldn't do like a sprint repeat workout with 40 athletes. Cause there's like, you know, five, six, seven, eight right. positions on a track. It would take you like, you know, two and a half hours on the track. It would be nuts. Nobody wants to watch people do sprint repeats for two and a half hours, like in a tournament style relay, like the way they did it with the, the obstacle course. Well, Obstacle course gets way more exciting when you can filter athletes through multiple times, multiple, multiple, multiple times, because you only have five. 
And, and so, it, or a tournament style thing could be very interesting because you have fewer athletes. And so that's kind of creatively where I was hoping it's like, look, it's the only time we're doing this whole thing at Aromas. Um, that's not going to be the case again. They're going to go back to site, big sites and venues where they can have spectators and stuff. So I was hoping that was there. So that was a long winded answer, but when it comes to the games this year, you know, I, I don't, I hope we don't play it safe. Dave gave, I give Dave a lot of credit in, in years like 13, 14, 15, 16, when his attention to detail and increasing the spectatorship and the potential for great sport moments, his attention to detail was very, oh, it was very so keen. Good. It and was it was really good. good. And things like pylons and, and things like markers on the ground and looking at those elements and saying, how do we really make this such a spectator friendly sport? And I get it. He got his little, he got his toy taken away and he got a little upset about that. And I don't think his heart's been in the last couple of years. And I hope he puts it back in there. And that's mm. that's 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 the truth of the matter. I think he's he he's done a lot of great programming in the past and his complete holistic games experience. I think I think, you know, he 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 lost that passion. Maybe he has it back, maybe he doesn't. He had 2020 games under a new owner, but it was barely any time considering when the sale happened and when the games actually right. so when everything happened. But I look yeah. at I look at the open, I look at the open and I look at the quarter finals and then I look at him rubber stamping a lot of workouts for teams and the age group guys and I go I'm looking for I, I want to see what, what the guy's heart's going to be in it you know and I want right. to answer that question by the product he puts out yeah and I I'm, think there's so I, much there's so much of that that I, I think drew us to it as well and you know in the good old days when they had the amazing open workouts and it was very exciting and there's this big production and he was kind of like this character of yeah yeah it's interesting he was CrossFit's villain, and, and now he's just the guy that programs a bunch of workouts. Um, and the, and why I'm, I'm I know I'm overreducing his role in CrossFit, but that was the position that he decided he wanted to have, and so right. it was entertaining. It was an inter, it was entertaining. It was 100 percent entertainment. And sports is entertainment. Yeah, it, it exactly is. Is entertainment. We come to be entertained. You know, uh, Russell Crowe throwing the throwing the sword at in Gladiator. Yeah, like I mean, that's that's what people come to see. They come to spectate that in that. To, to, to build that organically, not be, not because you have great stars in the NBA throwing down massive dunks, it, it, it the, the events and how they're structured and put together have to create the moments. And that's a difficult challenge. And never, and, you know, his, his sort of attention to detail uh, for many years, I think is what helped build those moments and give opportunity for that. You know, you could incentivize them financially. That might help too. Um, but you know, there's a lot of ways of doing it. And I think, I think he has to have a big role in, in bringing that back. I think that's going to be one of his biggest challenges is, is not finding the fittest in the most balanced competition sort of way. It's putting on a great competition and entertaining a whole bunch of people. If they want more people to watch. It's gotta be, it's gotta be entertaining. It has to be. So I, and I, I'm also curious to see if at all the vibe of the games changes in a way that you're the spectator can even notice given the change in ownership and given mm -hmm. that Glassman was vocally unenthusiastic about the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he showed up, he was there, but he would be the first person to tell you this, the games are not it, you yeah. know, and yeah. I, we haven't ever talked to Eric Rose. I doubt we ever will. Although I see him walking down the street all the time. There's like this bagel place right by Crossos and that I love. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, that's I funny. I know that guy. Um, he probably <laughs> has never been to the bagel place. To be clear, I don't want to slander him in CrossFit land. I have never oh seen my him gosh. the bagel place. <laughs> Guess what? He eats Guess bagels. What? He eats he carbs. Eats bagels. Anyway, the point of this is that I I wonder if his thought process and if his you know ethos about the games and its place in CrossFit 
is how is it different than Glassman? Yeah, Will that? I, I, I've talked up. to him about this. Um, I saw him this weekend, and um, we've been on the phone a couple a couple of times over the over the year that he's on on the company now. Um, his ethos is about the games is different now. I mean, Greg for being a brilliant programmer and trainer never was able to figure out how to strike the appropriate balance with, with, with the whole community between the games and training. He just never was able to strike, strike the appropriate balance and stuff. And he, his heart wasn't training. He's actually quite a brilliant trainer. When you think about the workouts he put together and programmed and executed on in his vision for that and what it's done for so many athletes in, in gyms that have changed their lives around, right. And have so many more years probably on their life as a result of the those the effectiveness of those workouts. So he's really a trainer at heart, not an entertainer, you know. And um, you know, I think and a lot of people think he should have sold the games off to IMG years ago and let them do what they did with UFC. That's that's but that didn't happen. So now here we are today. Now Rosa, big fan of the games. He likes the sport of CrossFit. Um, he's I don't think that CrossFit's gonna be making a concerted effort into developing CrossFit health as a as a concept, as a genre, as a vertical for furthering a discussion in health. I think he's going to let the gym speak for themselves when they talk to other members and say, look, guys, like we can help you lose weight. We can deal with hypertension. We can deal with type two diabetes. We can get your mobility back. We can allow you to pick up your kids or your grandkids and be able to play with them. And the benefits of those things, I think he's going to let the box do that kind of advocacy about CrossFit and let the results speak for themselves. I do think he wants a bigger and more concerted uh, engagement with CrossFit as a sport. I believe that. I think we're seeing that. I think he wants to finalize the structure. He's working with CBS on, you know, live contract for, you know, uh, broadcasting and, you know, wants to bring it back to the the good old days. Now, the challenge is going to be surpassing that, surpassing that in a really big, significant way. Not just surpassing it doesn't mean you got 1.5x. What you previously had surpassing it and, and 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 really growing it means you've gone 5x. So if if you know peak interest is one million, well then you need five. So what what we're seeing is I think he's trying to right the ship and uh, get everything kind of organized and coordinated and get the team set. And you know, they had a shotgun of games and get that done under his new leadership. I don't I, I think he was like, look, we guys gotta get it done, but I gotta focus on other parts of the company right now. And now I think they got a good season structure and they've they've codified the relationships with brand partners and brought them back and brought sponsorship money back, brought spectatorship back and other things like that. I'll see what he does in 2022. I want I'm looking for some big changes. I per- from a from a person who spends their entire day thinking and looking and talking with other people that do business in the business of the sport of CrossFit, I'm looking for some big changes. I don't think that what worked in 16, 17, and 18 is what's going to get them there to millions of viewership. We want right, to increase the viewership in on Sunday live, live a million. They're going to have to do something different than what worked for them in 16, 17, and 18. I don't know what that is yet, and I haven't seen it, and I haven't seen what they, I haven't seen that they've done anything that's big, but. I'll give him another year and then we'll, we'll chat. So here's what I'm thinking. This kind of parlays into some questions we got from listeners today too, is reputation. CrossFit has a reputation. And yeah. I think there, that plays a lot into whether or not people are going to watch CrossFit because yeah. what is, you know, what, what do you, what is the reputation you think people say when you say CrossFit? Well, I think it's uh, probably a little cultish, uh, hardcore. Yep. It's cult. Um, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's, it's some people, I still think it's a little dangerous. I think there's still perception out there from the sure. common population. Absolutely. Says, you know, it's still a little dangerous or it's more prone to injury, I should say. But uh, yeah, that's, that's probably still therapy. So, so it's, it's kind of like that, you know, it's almost like when people say I run marathons or whatever, people are like, Oh, I don't, there's very much a, an idea of like, you're either in that camp or you're not in that camp. Uh, and people who have a very 
specific view, I think, about CrossFit, whether or not it's you're in a cult or maybe they paid <laughs> attention to the drama that happened. I shouldn't say drama, but, you know, the, the big oh, situation, um, because I don't want to downplay it. I don't, well, but I don't want to <laughs> downplay it like it was this drama. It really was a serious deal. It was um, a serious deal, yeah. Of what happened with Greg Glassman. But I think whether or not they paid attention to that news or they think CrossFit's oh, a whole, I think I, it has a, I think it had a negative effect on, 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 on the brand, on the barometer, on the brand yeah. itself. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think that a lot of gyms decided to step away from the affiliation. That is yeah. another big deal. Yes, so I think the 2020 year had a big impact on CrossFit. You, you know, you could say negatively as far as their reputation. So if they want to grow their viewership and people watching the games, you have to kind of make it something that a lot of people can get on board with as far as their mission, what they stand for, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, it deterred potential customers from joining a gym. I think they also had a pandemic where there were fewer options to join if they had had any inkling or notion to do that. Though some, like my gym, that was open uh, for the majority of the pandemic, uh, they got people first time because they said, well, my gym's closed and this one's open. So they could, that, but that had nothing to do with CrossFit as a cor- on a corporate level. That was, that was, uh, you know, an opportunity, you know, business opportunity right. that existed, you know, for some markets that were still open and their big box 24 hour gym, they weren't allowed to be open. You know, that's a corporate corporation. They said none of them, you know, and, um, these are independently owned so they can make their own decisions about what they're going to do. CrossFit has to, it, it I don't know the answer to what CrossFit is is supposed to be from a mission statement perspective. I think that Eric has to figure that out for himself and decide what the vision for that direction is. I don't know what it is. I think it's still a part of all the things it was before. It's a, it is it is uh, you know um, the best hour of your day. You know an opportunity to get healthy and fit and do that with and, and make lifelong friendships with, with individuals in your in your box. You come from the fitness state for the community. I think all this stuff's very relevant and still very much the case today. But at a corporate level, what does CrossFit as a corporation stand for? I don't think I can answer that question for you. I don't know if they can answer that question yet. You know, the, the deal was done relatively quickly and cracked very quickly um, and announced relative very quickly. They they they'd only, you know, the letter of intent was what they announced. They say letter of intent was signed by Greg to say, yes, I, you know, I have the intention of, of selling and you have the intention of buying and that's buying document so that was what they we announced in june a year right. ago was a that. year ago they hadn't even done crazy. the deal yet they hadn't yeah. even done the deal it took them another month right. the deal and then the doj had to approve the deal yeah um and so and so they got that news out there very quickly i think to help uh you know uh stymie the 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 sort of exodus and the damage that was going to be irrevocable at that point but they were down to twelve thousand affiliates now it's more than twelve thousand, so i would say it's less than twelve thousand five hundred, more than twelve thousand. i think too it's like we've talked about this for years and years the difference between the brand of the affiliate and the brand of the games and those are two very distinct brands that they try to combine into one brand experience and it's just not a singular brand experience i mean if you think about this truly from like a branding and marketing perspective and and a, a mission statement perspective and a messaging perspective. And, you know, it's very unique in the sense that the CrossFit games and the CrossFit me who goes into the gym and, you know, is doing ring rows nine years in (laughs) my experience is very different. And the value proposition is incredibly different. 
And it's so different from like the NBA where, you know, you go to the JCC or the YMCA or your local group, you know, and just do play a pickup game of basketball, that pickup game of basketball that you're playing isn't owned by anyone. You can do it anywhere. You can do it at any, you know, and you don't do it to maybe do it because you love basketball and then you watch basketball and you like kind of have this thing, but you don't do it to have a direct connection to the NBA, nor do you expect to have. And CrossFit's different in that regard as the fans, the stands are filled with a hundred percent CrossFit. Fitters. Right. Right. You know, exactly. it's like, it's like, whereas at the NBA might be filled with 1%, the stands might actually be 1% of people that regularly play basketball. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and so to your and point and of, so, you know, how are you going to get to 5 million, you know, 5 million viewers? Well, yeah. how are you going to get to, you know, get back to 15,000 affiliates? Million active CrossFitters? Yeah. And how are you going to... I've got an answer for that, by the way. Well, let's hear it. What is it? I think that I don't think, and I, I said this to CrossFit staff at CrossFit, even recently, even recently. And I said, look, I don't think that America needs 10,000 gyms. Just don't. I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough people that want to do group fitness, mm-hmm. CrossFit style group fitness. Cause there's other group fitnesses out there. Yoga is group fitness. I mean, soul cycles, group fitness and, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Right. There's a lot of group fitness that's out there. There's millions of people that are doing it. I just don't think the, the I just don't think America needs or has a marketplace for 10,000 locations for CrossFit. By right. the way, there are not 10,000 group locations for any fitness out there in America. I said, I think you have the number, whatever it is now. It was six, five. It's probably five, five or something like that. Somewhere. It's somewhere in that mix. Let's, let's call it six. It doesn't really matter. I don't think it needs to add another four. And I don't think adding another four will give them 10 million cross active crossfitters in America. I think it'll give them 4,000 times 150. That's what I think. And or actually it will probably give be lower than that. Less, less than that, that because be it'll be, you yeah. know, because a third of their gym membership will be like, oh, a gym opened closer to my house. I was yeah, already I going guess. to so, another gym. I don't think that's the answer is opening more gyms. I think that the answer is taking CrossFit directly to consumers. That's the way Peloton works. And Peloton right. has a million active crossfitters. Or, <laughs> <geez>. <laughs> A million active subscribers to to their to their online digital fitness. And it's regimen. amazing. I, I do Peloton. I have Peloton. Cool. I love it. Yeah. I, I've never done it. I think it's I've I've seen it done and I think it's pretty cool. Well, and, and you know what it is? It. It's the trainers. The trainers are freaking they, amazing and you fall in love with that. them and you're like, I'm never going anywhere Every, else. Again. I was at my sister's house all the time. Uh, down here in Huntington Beach, I'd work, you know, and and this this woman who also had was now working remotely because you know it was on an online now because of the pandemic. Right. I used to hear her every day in the garage, and I'm like, I'm like, hell yeah, get it! Like she's going to work, freaking, that's great. And I'm like, she's loving it. She's into it, you know, and she's, I could hear the speakers going, and she's like, ah, come on, ah. she's like motivating herself. I'm like, yeah, she's freaking doing it. I love it. I, I was pumped for her. Like I'm going like, in there. I want to get in and do a workout. And, and I'm like, whoa. So CrossFit employs the best functional fitness trainers in the world. I'm saying functional fitness broadly because it also appeals to anybody that's teaching functional fitness, not just at a CrossFit gym, but anywhere. They employ the best trainers in the world on seminar staff. And they're the only ones in the world that are legally allowed to produce an app called CrossFit. So you're telling me that they can't deliver CrossFit to people in their garages, like the way Peloton delivers Peloton or bicycling mm-hmm. to people in right. their or garages? street parking. Or street parking does, or NC Fit does, by the way. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, you're telling me they can't go live on an app 
Like they don't, they've got the trainers, the right. best trainers in multiple languages all across the globe. They have a studio with a lot of cameras. They got the equipment. They have the money. They have the equipment. They have the only rights to the mark. And they have a partnership, a multi-year partnership with the largest creator of fitness equipment in America called Rogue. And their and new it, CEO probably knows some tech guys who could write an app for them. I don't know. Probably. I'm pretty sure and um, work for a tech company. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for the cost of a Peloton bike, you can get bumper plates, a barbell. I priced this out. You can get bumper plates, barbell, a box, and a wall ball, and a jump rope <laughs> you for the same price as a Peloton. Of course I yeah, did. Yeah, but I I can't, that can't all fit in your, you know, in the back half of your office while you're on Zoom. No one's going to go, ah, oh, is that a... No, but you can fit it in your box? garage. Yeah, people want to do garage workouts. Yeah. Is. Oh, yeah. And... And you know what? Like it, I'm oversimplifying it, but I'm saying if CrossFit wants 10 million participants in America or globally, however, whatever marketplace you want to think of, I'm like, how do you reach more people? How do you do that? There are a lot of people that don't want to do group fitness. They just don't. They don't. That's totally fine. There's a lot of people that today would rather work out in the garage by themselves or go home after work or do it in the morning before work, right. shower and return. They don't exactly. want to join a box. We're not stealing yeah. members away from the box. Exactly. There's nobody at Red Wolf CrossFit where I go that has been there for five years. It's like, whoa, I can do this workout from home with people like with nobody around me. And you know, exactly. They're like, they're like, what are there two, three people that might say yes to that? Maybe, but then they have to go buy the equipment. They've already in for thousands of dollars with their gym. What you know, and they're in their routine and they love it and they love the people. We're not stealing people, they wouldn't be stealing people away from the box. They'd be adding a whole new section of individuals that has no interest in working out with anybody else. That's what I think. And I'm oversimplifying a lot of things and a lot of ways to get from point A to point B. No, they I have the ability to access equipment. Yeah. They have all the only ability to use the mark and create the official CrossFit app, and they have the world's best trainers in multiple languages. They already have the infrastructure for three key components for delivering on this successfully. And for $25 a month or $40 a month, they can get digitized fitness times 1 million. How much is that going to add to the bottom line? Because I guarantee you their investors that are invested in CrossFit say, well, we want at least 5X on uh, on the money that we poured in here. We didn't do it just for a hobby. We didn't give you a couple hundred million dollars just so we could, so we could put it on our business card on our Instagram profile that we're investors. You Just know. so we could watch Matt Fraser win again. No. Um, okay. So we only have a few more minutes That's to wrap right. up. There was one quick question that I wanted to cover and hopefully we can do, do it quickly it. and then move on to a few of the, Please. and I'll, I'll make a brief. Do you think we will see a difference in the games because of the change to noble? The way the games is operated and structured, like, uh, like the actual events and things like that. Or I guess w- what about the games do you think will be different other than the vendor tent? I think the vendor tent will be a little bit different. We, we just saw that the athlete clothing that just got teed up, they have the, they have it on their shoes. So I think, I think with a small small company, there's the capability of doing more creatively because they can pivot quicker. Now there's some negatives to being a smaller company too, but for R and D purposes and how they develop shoes. I mean, Reebok was always 12 months out. They have the next, they would have the next games planned already for 2022 games. And, and so I think some of the flexibilities, they could be more creative. I honestly don't know. The only thing I've seen is their jerseys. So, which look pretty cool. I gotta be honest. I think that the touch of having the nice name on the shoe was really neat, really visually very, very appealing. And I, and I think it's really cool. So I don't expect there to be a lot that's different. No, they deal the deal in January. It's not a lot of time to plan for the games for six months. So I don't expect a lot to be different. I think they could because they can creatively move quickly. This is a really big, big, big topic. And I hesitate to even like launch into this five minutes before, but okay. maybe I'll ask what I think is probably the least complex version of this question. Cause we got a lot of questions about diversity and CrossFit. Uh, okay. And so this probably is the, the least complex way to tackle this. Do you think 
The current semifinal format helps encourage diversity and inclusion because it seems the more diverse regions get fewer qualification spots. Yeah, they do. I mean, I mean, to be honest, Asia and Africa, right? Let's point to those ones specifically. And then you can say South America as well, right? South America gets fewer, North America. Um, but from a sports perspective, you know, I don't think it's necessarily, not everybody gets a medal sports, you know, and I, I, that's how I see sports. I think there has to be ways to increase diversity in the sport of CrossFit, but it doesn't just mean that we're giving spots to athletes that can't that can't hold their water against other athletes the nba is not a sport that says well you know to be frank we want more white people in the sport because there aren't that many so we're going to give spots specifically allocated to european tall european centers that can shoot three pointers they earn their spot there and i think that we have to find a system that allows more people to earn it and help one way i'll give you just quick example is what about increasing intermediate level competitions in the continent of Africa or South America? Look, we got to farm. We got to create a farm system to help them, to, to help them step up their game. What what about finding more ways like that? Let's not just give spots to athletes that can't compete against Catra for in Europe. They just can't. They're not. You're not good enough. I'm sorry. You can't lift enough, and you're too slow. And I think that good sports recognize that there's a potential to earn it, but good sports leagues rep recognize how to foster another set of athletes from other areas. NBA does a ton in China. NBA does a ton in Africa. They, they, they're saying, look, we want, we want to find ways of finding the best athletes in the world. And they're not just Americans. That's the truth. Right. Go to the so Olympics. <laughs> yeah. So it's not about who's qualifying for the games. It's about what does the athlete funnel look like and how can you diversify I, I, the top I think of the funnel? You would have better athletes in general over the next 15 to 20 years if you developed more ways for them to compete at higher levels that allow them to get the play that they need. You know, I played sports all growing up. My dad used to tell me, you want to get better, Justin? Don't play against middle schoolers. Play against high schoolers. They're stronger than you. They're faster than you. And they'll make you think faster and get stronger in order to compete. Otherwise, guess what? You're just going to get your butt kicked left and right. They're going to steal it. They're going to block your shot. They're going to be all over you. And there's nothing you can do about it. You'll never score against those guys unless you figure it out for yourselves. But in order to do it, you have to have an opportunity to be there. But not that's, that's on the pickup court. That's not at the the high school state championship. I don't get a ticket there just because I, I really want to go or because I, you know, uh, and so that's why I don't think, I don't think that's the right model. I think that great. We're giving an opportunity to get some athletes that are there and we rep represent a global community. But one big criticism with national champions was you had to cut them all uh, because none of them could compete in the later stages. They just couldn't. Right. They all right came in from all over the world yeah. and they got cut after the first event. Yeah. And there's like a lot of people who aren't very good at CrossFit that are fitter than, uh, uh, than a whole host of other athletes and, and prove that at the open. And you're like, right. oh, that's not finding the fittest on earth. And that's the point of the CrossFit games. It's to find the fittest on earth. And so... I, th I think one solution to that is is finding ways of getting people involved in their more intermediate and advanced level competitions in other areas. And I think CrossFit can be a solution to doing that. All right. Joy, do you have one last question or should we wrap it at that? Yes, I do have one last, last question. And uh, did you listen to the Joe Rogan, Matt Frazier interview? I did not. Okay. Then it's, it's not long, fair to I ask you. But I get a, I, I got a, I got a pretty good uh, rundown though. Well, what uh, is your, me. I guess, what is your unofficial take on Matt kind of throwing Dave Castro under the bus? Well, Dave Castro has been, the, is, is, is pretended to be the villain of the CrossFit games for a long time. And he is the villain of the CrossFit games for a long time. So I think, I, th I think Matt's just, Matt's just one of the athletes that's been willing to say something about it. Sure. And I, I, it feels like it was like this personal thing. Like they had this personal vendetta or something. <sighs> 
<laughs> but like, can Dave Castro say, I'm not here to make friends for his whole career and then get butt hurt when someone's like, Dave Castro wasn't very friendly? No, I don't think, I don't think, I think that's kind of silly, but um, <laughs> why, I don't know if we should be particularly surprised that Dave hasn't made a lot of friends over the years. I mean, watch, if anybody's been watching the games the last six or seven years, what does he say at the athlete briefing? Or when athletes say, you know, why are you trying to kill us? And he's like, well, or, or why are you, sorry, why are you doing guts? It's like, uh, well, just be better. And you're like, okay, you expect that that, that everyone's going to turn around and be like, oh, wow, Dave's such a nice guy. Definitely, you know, loves us. He's just kind of a bit curt. Um, now, Dave behind the scenes isn't exactly all that way. In fact, if, if he likes you, he's, he's quite a nice guy. And I've had genuinely some good conversations with the guy. But Dave, Dave has tried to build the build the fittest games, you know, the games to find the fittest on earth. And he's got his own style of play, and his style of play is kind of abrasive. So he shouldn't be shocked when athletes don't love him. I, and and Dave, the abrasive Dave, the persona that he puts on, also means that guy don't care. You know, I don't think anybody is sitting out there that's done the open for the last six, seven, eight years and, and thinks that Dave Castro really cares if people don't like him. Fair, very fair. I just thought it was interesting because Joe Rogan is arguably the most popular podcast out there and for Matt to go on there and kind of put, to me... I don't know. I haven't talked to either of these guys in person, so I always feel like a hypocrite when I'm just kind of spouting off on something I don't know every detail about. What I share about it is, I know I I know where you're going with it. It's that it's that there's a lot of things in the sport of CrossFit and the sport of any sport that have gone on behind the scenes that nobody has any idea about. And that primarily exactly the only person that was ever talking about anything was the CrossFit Games until Morning Chalk Up came around, and now you know a heck of a lot more things than you didn't know before. That doesn't mean to say that the way anybody does business is dirty. That's just to say that there's a whole reality of how the sport has been governed for years that has pissed off a lot of athletes. For sure. Yeah. I, I, and the guy I at think, the helm of that is Dave Castro. Right. So and I just think like you're like, here's a guy who won the CrossFit Games and yeah. could probably win for five more years if he wanted to. And yet he's kind of probably. like giving a little bit of a middle finger. And I'm, I'm like, are you look biting, what did, what are you did biting the say? hand that feeds you? You know, Dave said, you know, Matt Frazier's slipping, you know, and he, he, he brushed it off as all oh, that's entertainment. I'm creating entertainment and stuff like that. And, and I don't think Matt thinks that clearly. And so, yeah, you're right. The commissioner of the sport went off and said, Dave, he thinks that Matt Frazier's slipping. And you know what Matt Frazier did? He went out and won by the largest margin and basically shattered every test that Dave put out there. Right, says, right. Dave, I guess you're slipping because your tests aren't very hard. Yeah. It's a bit of a personal thing that Dave said. So I guess it can't be that shocked. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, oh, you know, I think he's, 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 you know, I remember you guys look at our site. I don't remember the whole thing, but yeah, he's slipping was kind of yeah, the, the that's what he said. quote there right. that, that, came, that came in there and he said some other things, but yeah, I guess I'm not that shocked when it comes down to it because like, A, it's not true because he kept smashing everything after that. He's trying to create controversy where there shouldn't or doesn't need to be sure. any. And you know what? He took a dig at Matt. Matt took a dig at him. Grow up. Get over it. If he's creating, <laughs> if he's creating entertainment by him saying grow that, up and Matt's creating entertainment by saying saying on a bigger exactly exactly it's a little so childish congratulations. yeah, yeah. You got it. now that's what you wanted right you want shots being fired across the bow and you want joe rogan's million and a half listeners per, per episode on there and you know what i guess that was good for the sport because if that's what you wanted originally you got it hey right. if you can't if you can't take it don't dish it out yeah but hey if your argument is that we did it i do this to entertainment and to gin up interest well i guess what matt frazier ginned up more than you did so you should be thanking him cut him a exactly jet. thanks dave thanks dave appreciate that you know and 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 that's where i think um you know maybe they have some spat that sits behind the scenes and stuff that 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 is personal and there could be many different reasons for it i'm not aware of it i could so i couldn't speak to it but from a from the perspective of well he, he's slipping if 
that's his response. And, you know, he says he's doing media and Matt says, right. well, I'm doing media too. So what, you know, what's, what's the deal? Yeah. What is your plan for the CrossFit games or where people can find you there? Yeah. So we are going to go in person, you know, have a team of writers and, and stuff. We, we we're planning to basically do wall to wall coverage, which is what we do always uh, videos, interviews, analysis sports coverage will be at morningchalkup.com and you know we won't have we won't be broadcasting live you know it's going to be with cbs this year and um and their online partners and stuff so um you know we'll piggyback off of that and uh, tell you some interesting things mostly looking forward to actually getting a chance to um sort of start over again with a new style of coverage for the crossfit games now that i think they're codifying and they're kind of figuring out how that's going to look and how they want to invite media partners in to cover it and to give more coverage and more analysis etc so i'm excited about a new opportunity to do that with a new team and have fun with it it's it's it, at the end of the day, it's a big celebration of fitness and it's a great opportunity to hang out with a lot of CrossFitters. So that's also really my favorite part about that. Uh, it's so fun. It is. Yeah. It is. We always I'm call sure it CrossFit Disneyland. It is like our summer camp. Yeah. CrossFit summer camp. Totally. It is. Uh, well, yeah. where can people find the morning chalk up and tell us a little bit about how to sign up for that? Yeah. So the morning chalk up is Monday through Saturday daily newsletter about CrossFit. I'm going to tell you a lot of things that go on, not just about the sport community, health, how people change in their lives, inspirational stories, et cetera. Go to our website, morningchalkup.com, sign up through the link there, or you can go to our Instagram account at morningchalkup, shocker, and uh, access a lot of our content through there too. We're publishing uh, every day, multiple times a day, just cool, interesting stories that, um, you know, hopefully inspire you to continue to stay in the gym and, and stay involved with the community that you love. Thank you so much, Justin, for joining us. Everybody, yeah. you can find us at joyandclaire underscore on Instagram. You can go to joyandclaire.com. Find us on your favorite podcast app, rate us, leave a review, share us with your friends. We would really appreciate it. You can always email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. We read all your emails. We love them. If you're going to the CrossFit Games, let us know. We're trying to figure out what the heck we're going to be doing there, but we are 80% sure we're going to be there. <laughs> Justin, thanks again for joining us, and we will talk to you guys next yeah, week. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Bye, guys. Fun.